Welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I am your host, Katie Weber. Thank you so much to those of you who have been commenting on Instagram and giving this podcast so much support and encouragement. It really means the world to me. So please don't forget to take a moment. You can pause right now and do it. I'll wait. And go over to Apple Podcasts or Audible and give this show a review or simply just hit the five stars. I love to see them. It's like the best dopamine hit ever. And uh, you're also helping other people find this show. This is episode 11 in which I interview Amanda Pye. Amanda lives with her family in Alt, Colorado, and she is the owner of St. Paulia Bath and Skin Care Products. Amanda is one of those moms whose son was diagnosed years ago as a child with ADHD, but it took her much longer to put the pieces together to get herself diagnosed. In fact, Amanda's mother was diagnosed with ADHD well into her 50s after she was being tested for a form of narcolepsy and fatigue, which is pretty much the opposite of the stereotypical hyperactive little boy. It was her mother's diagnosis that led Amanda to finally start to think that maybe this was something she had as well. I really love Amanda's insights into rejection-sensitive dysphoria, RSD. It's something I've spoken about with other guests, but she gets into it a bit more in terms of how misleading our internal monologue can be when it comes to relationships. I just really liked her perspective. I also pepper her with questions about her line of soaps and dry shampoos and how she even got into this business of skincare for the glamping and RV set, considering she does neither. I will also add that after this interview with Amanda, I was so intrigued by her products, I went to her website, I ordered myself some of these soaps and dry shampoos that we talk about in the interview, and her lotion sticks, and I am absolutely in love with them. I have very dry, very sensitive skin, and her soap is one of the best I've ever tried. And as somebody who hates having cream on my hands and in between my fingers, and I hate how it makes my hands all clammy and slimy for the rest of the day, I am in love with her body sticks. They look basically like giant lip balm tubes, and I use them as moisturizer on my face and on my body, and I don't even have to get anything on my hands, and it is like the best thing ever. I have never seen anything like this on the market, so I wanted to make sure to put in a plug for this awesome product, and you're going to hear all about it in this interview. All right, so I hope you enjoy. I'm just going to formally start us out and say, um, welcome, Amanda Pye. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Now, you are located in Colorado, right? That's right. We are in Alt, Colorado. It's a little town. <laughs> I, the only thing I love about winter is skiing. So, oh, um, You know, I have lived in Colorado for 14 years, and I have never gone skiing. Are you a snowboarder, or you're just like, nope? Um, I've gone snowshoeing. Oh, okay. Um, but I would hurt myself if I tried to do anything else. So um, I'm like, mm, that's not really my thing. I learned to snowboard in my 20s. I'm from Canada. And, actually, and and I actually lived in BC for a bit and learned to snowboard there and never skied because I was terrified. I thought, you know, I'm going to break both legs and run into a tree. Like, I just was terrified of skiing. Snowboarding felt safer to me somehow. I'm actually from North Texas, so there's no. Um, I moved here when I was um, almost 30, so I I felt like I was too old to try to pick it up then and didn't really have an interest. So. 
Yeah, I don't know. I love it. I sort of learned again with my daughter when she was interested. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's try it. And um, yeah, I absolutely love it. But I'm in New York where we basically are hill, you know, we have hills. We don't have mountains. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so let's start out with um, how long you've had ADHD. What made you first think you had it? And kind of walk me through what led up to your being diagnosed. Okay. Um, I probably had ADHD my whole life. I think most people do. (laughs) Yes. But um, I was diagnosed, um, I think I was 36. So it was about seven, six or seven years ago. Um, I'm not going to do the math right now, but um, I was diagnosed after I started, my son was diagnosed when he was a a small kid and he was having, um, he was a teenager and we were having kind of a rough day and he was having a little bit of you know, anxiety. And I found this YouTube video called the unofficial ADHD test for adults. And so I thought it was funny. And so I had him watch it and I'm watching behind him going, "Uh Oh, maybe that sounds like me. (laughs) So I was like, it was very funny, but I was like, wait, that's not normal. Yeah. So I did some more, you know, official tests and I went, okay, I don't think he's the only one. So And then I went to a psychologist that specializes in um, diagnosing adults with ADHD or autism um, that maybe didn't get diagnosed when they were kids. And I went to him and after a six hour long test, I got diagnosed. (laughs) Mm, Okay. And so what were some of the things that were light bulb moments for you in terms of symptoms? Um, Well, when I was a a kid in school, I didn't pay attention to teachers because I, it was just a lack of, I think a lack of interest. And also just, um, once the teacher, she would teach me or teach us something. And then she, I would learn it and I would learn it pretty quick. And then when she would move on, I had already moved on. So she just had, um, I couldn't get back to focus on, what it what it was that she was trying to teach because in my brain I lost interest and I zoned out somewhere else and that so that was that was one of the things I recognized from when I was a kid and also um seeing things my son was going through and realizing that those weren't normal um and also during the test while she was talking to me and testing me I noticed the fattest squirrel I'd ever seen outside the window and I lost focus on what she was saying to look at the fat squirrel. And that was kind of went, oh, yep, I'm here. I should be here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, did it affect your grades? or? Oh, yeah, very badly. Um, I, I was talking to my mom earlier. When I was um, in school, we would be doing, like I said before, something and I would move on. And she'd be teaching us like a math problem. And I would get it right away. But then she would stay on that same problem And then I would lose interest and I would lose focus. And I would take, I was reading Charlotte's Web at the time. It was one of my favorite books as a kid. Um, And I would sneak the book into my math book. So it looked like I was reading the math book or looking at the math book. But in reality, I was reading Charlotte's Web. Uh. So, So she would move on and I wouldn't notice that she had moved on to another, to another subject in math. And I because I was so into this book. So yeah, it absolutely affected my grades. Uh, the teacher said all the time, she seems really smart, but she just doesn't seem to be, 
She's not applying herself. Mm. <laughs> yep. So yeah, I did. I um, I did not do very well in school. <laughs> now, what about you? Have you have three kids? Is that right? I do. Yeah, I have a twenty-three-year-old, a twenty-year-old, and a fourteen-year-old. Okay. So, any of them also diagnosed? Uh, my son has ADHD. I think right. my 14-year-old has it too. We haven't gotten her officially diagnosed with that. Um, she does. She is on the autism spectrum disorder, um, which also kind of led between that and my son's diagnosis led me to being diagnosed as well. Mm-hmm. Um, not with autism, but with ADHD. And uh, I think she might have ADHD, but we're still kind of trying to figure out if it's not just autism that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my oldest, I'm not sure she was never diagnosed. Um, I think she has some tendencies, but it's not as pronounced. So interesting. You know, I remember when my, it was first suggested to me that I might have ADHD. I, I did a generic self test for men and women and with, and I think I sort of scored, like maybe 60% or something. It didn't feel like it was that high to me. And I sort of thought, meh, all right. But then when I took the women-specific test, I I think I got like perfect or almost perfect. (laughs) I definitely aced that test. So it's so interesting how it presents itself differently in boys and girls. And Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was something else that kind of led to, I did the same thing with women because I'm not hyperactive physically, um, Definitely in my brain and definitely with how I talk, <laughs> but not physically. And I always associated it with, you know, kids that couldn't sit still or kids who were just like running. I kept seeing the words running like a motor. Mm, yeah. And that definitely did not apply to me. It didn't apply to either of my daughters or even my son, really. Um, so and um, we also know my mom was also diagnosed with ADD. So I think it's very um runs very heavily in our family. Um, and same thing. She doesn't, she's not really physically hyperactive either. And that was a big, that, I think that delayed my diagnosis because I just assumed that everybody who had it was hyperactive or outwardly. So. Right. I think that's very common story yeah. among, uh, among women, especially women who are diagnosed as adults. Was your mother diagnosed as a result of your diagnosis um, no, she was actually diagnosed before me, but she was I'm well into her 50s before she got diagnosed. Um, she, there's a possibility that she might also have a form of narcolepsy, and that's kind of what she was looking at, and that's when they discovered that it was probably also some ADHD. And, uh, and it made, once she got diagnosed, that made a lot of sense to me, um, just how my mom interacts with us and other people. Um, and how she interacts at work. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know much about narcolepsy. Are they related in terms of the brain stem and areas of the brain that are affected? Um, I, I don't know for sure. I know the treatment is pretty similar um, because I know the stimulants they give you for ADHD are also often used in narcolepsy. Um, she doesn't have the type where if you're standing there and talking to someone, they just fall asleep. Um, hers is more of a, just a very low energy. Um which I think is also kind of what delayed her diagnosis, like, you know, lack of hyperactivity. She almost has the opposite. <laughs> yeah. I had the same reaction to, I mean, I, I, I don't re- recall being hyperactive as a child and never made that connection that hyperactivity is displayed in, um, 
in daydreaming and, you know, impatience and an emotional dysregulation and all those things yeah. that we now are making that connection are forms of, of emotional hyperactivity. But I always thought, you know, I will have hyperfocus and these sort of manic episodes, but then I could very easily spend a week like lying around staring out the window in, in deep depression. And so I was like, that's oh, like- absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and I never really understood that part, you know, the executive dysfunction part of, of hyperactivity and like the down, you know, the, the necessary down, downside, or what's the word I'm looking for? Just like the, the, the time. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I, I absolutely. Um, my husband would always, has always commented about how he's always surprised where I could just sit and do nothing at certain times. Um, other times I can't sit still, I can't sit and just do nothing. And then other times it's like, I don't want to get off the couch. Um, as I get older, it's less and less of that, which is kind of weird to me. It's more where I can't sit still. So I don't know why that is. Now, are you on medication? I am. Yeah. I take Adderall. I just started Adderall about a year ago. Ooh, okay. How's, how's that working for you? Um, it's working well. I think that there's been some problems with, I'm wondering if it's the right medication. I am wondering if it's the right dosage, but we're having, it feels like my, um, my doctor doesn't want to, I don't, he was hesitant to give Adderall in the first place. And so getting him to change it at all, is going to be kind of um, a little difficult. So I might be looking for a new provider. What was his hesitancy because it's Adderall? I think it's because it's Adderall and, um, I think it's just the, you know, stigma that goes with taking, you know, a stimulant um, and being a controlled substance. Yeah. So I think that that was more. I've heard other women say that their doctors would not give them anything because they would say that we don't prescribe medication for adults, which is bizarre. I don't understand that mentality. but. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've heard some crazy stories about people who are who are having difficulty with not only getting the diagnosis, but then getting the medication. I'm just like, really? Like we're grownups here. Right. I actually just went to pick up my first um, prescription of Vyvanse this morning. Okay. We're about to get a big, huge snowstorm. And I was like, oh, I've, I've got to get it because I've been on the fence since my diagnosis. And I've been asking every person I interview, I've been doing all this research because I don't know yeah. if I want to go on it or not. And how badly do I need it, et cetera. And I had that panic moment in the parking lot where I was like, oh, God, do I need like my driver's license? Like, do I need ID? Do I need, you know, are oh, they going to yeah. get time? Do I look like a thug? Like, <laughs> all these oh, yeah. things I have to kind of take it in question now because I'm like and then it was $50 I couldn't believe it with my oh. insurance and I was like oh gosh is this yes, what, it is what I'm in for very expensive um, lucky we have good insurance so mine you know we're able to keep the cost down some but I don't know what we would do if it was if we didn't have the insurance to cover it because very expensive yeah um, and there's been times, where, well, I don't know if it's like this for you, where if I run out, I have to call my doctor's office and wait for them to refill the prescription. And if I don't plan ahead, I could go, you know, a few days without medication. And that's that's hard for somebody with ADHD to keep track of that. Oh, I know. <laughs> I feel like it harder. 
I feel like I see so many tips and tricks online for like setting up your auto refills and all of these ways to kind of help yourself so that you don't end up at these situations where you've forgotten. And I, I immediately thought that because my prescription was only for 30 days. And I was like, oh, no, I'm going to have to go through all of this again in a month. <laughs> they, For me, they won't even allow auto refill. It has to be I stop and call the doctor. Um, and even then, if I go in, they're drug testing now. So it's been very, it's really weird. Oh, right. I forgot about that. There's the, oh, my goodness. What is, this is, all right, this is a new world to me. I'm still, I'm still acclimating but it feels that feels outrageous to me but i will say that it has helped a ton i have been able to focus and um get up in the morning and get started which is something i've always had trouble with is just transitioning from bed to starting my day (laughs) Mm. Um, and Adderall has helped with that a lot so that is something that i will say for that that has been a big change in my life (laughs) um yeah that's that's basically what i feel like I need the most. Not, I, I actually, I don't have a hard time getting to getting up and motivated. Although I do have a very difficult time getting motivated when it comes to chores like cleaning and mopping and laundry and all the things that I'm just like, I can, there's a thousand other things I would rather be doing and I will find those things first to do. But oh, yeah. I, find, I find when it's work related, I'm, I just really have a hard time staying on task. I, I get distracted from moment to moment like what's the pill that helps with that one um I have not found that one yet (laughs) um I I'm just I'm lucky to be able to you know work from home and own my own business and so that helps I'm I'm a terrible employee and I've just learned that recently uh, being my own employee I'm a terrible employee (laughs) Mm, I, I have really struggled to stay on task and so I feel sorry for any of my old bosses that (laughs) <laughs> I'm annoying myself. I don't know what I did for other people. <laughs> well, I think that's why there has been such an uptick in pandemic diagnoses too. It's not only the lack of routine and schedule and the anxiety, but just working from home and, and being with yourself a lot and seeing what you're doing. And it, yeah, <laughs> it, it's been eye opening for sure. Absolutely. So one of the things that you had mentioned in our correspondence that you've learned a lot about yourself and why I feel a certain way, especially when it comes to rejection sensitivity, uh, rejection sensitive dysphoria. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Um, Well, I, when I learned about RSD, it, that was, that was a huge moment for me because I, I feel like that has impacted the way I interact with people. Um, It's inner, even my family, even my kids, my husband, my mother, my father, um, siblings, I, I feel like that has shaped almost my whole life. I felt like, um, you know, with RSD, you get the sense that people are rejecting you even when they're not. And even when there's not really a realistic reason for you to think that it gets put into your head and then trying to until I realized what RSD was, I never realized that it was me that was doing that. I thought that everybody else was rejecting me or didn't like me and that I guess I wasn't important to those people. And then when I learned what RSD was, I went, oh, no, that's not them. They haven't done this. I've done it. <laughs> this isn't reality. This exactly, is a narrative yeah. that I've created. And yeah. I think that I've, you know, I have a problem with I pushed people away when there was no need for me to do that. I just had that 
um, I, it's, it's called dysphoria, I guess, for a reason. I just had that thought. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, that was huge for me to learn what it was. And now being, um, getting it labeled and knowing, you know, that it's actually a condition and that it is something that's happening. And I'm not just, you know, people aren't just doing that to me. That has been, that was so helpful in how I interact with people and just daily life. Um, so that was a huge learning about that was a, a huge positive, uh, for me. And it just, it, that was kind of a light bulb moment. Like you had mentioned earlier, we're like, Oh, well that, that makes so much sense. And so I hyper-focused on it for like a week and I was like telling everybody I knew about it. <laughs> so they probably got tired of hearing about it. Yeah, no, you know, it, there is, there is something incredible about just the awareness <laughs> in the moment that, um, you can, you know, I, it has helped me immensely with just with my, uh, disagreements a nice use euphemism with my husband, but you know, we, I, I will have those moments where I'm like, I can now explain in the moment, like, this is where I shut down and stop listening because you've said this thing and this is what I'm hearing. Yes. Like, you know, and, and, it's, and I keep asking him, I'm like, is this really annoying for you? And he's like, no, this is super helpful that you are now like, you know, naming what is happening in the oh, moment. Yes. And it's reminding me a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy. I don't know if you've ever done that um, or t- tried it with, uh, but I think CBT is really, really an important resource for people with ADHD, especially if they struggle with um, RSD, because it's really just about practicing the, you know, I am separate from my thoughts and my thoughts can exist, but they're not necessarily trustworthy. And this is why. Oh yeah. I have, um, I've heard it. I've thought about doing cognitive behavior therapy, but it's, it, I didn't. I didn't learn about RSD until probably about a year ago. So, um, getting any therapy for that during the pandemic, I had to. I'm just kind of holding off, and we'll see what what happens and see if I feel comfortable doing that in the future. Any other parents out there who have struggled to instill good financial habits into their kids? I know I have, and that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Go Henry by Acorns the smart debit card and app for kids 6 through 18. With GoHenry, kids can learn about money, set spending and saving goals, and even track chores and earn allowance money right within the app. They learn the value of money by using their GoHenry debit cards, while we as parents can set spend limits and help guide their journey while staying informed every step of the way. It gives me so much peace of mind to know that I'm using a smart tool to proactively teach my kids about money and prepare them for future success. Set your kids up for success and get started today at gohenry.com slash women ADHD. Again, that's gohenry.com slash women ADHD. TNCs apply, renews from $4.99 per month unless canceled. Um, all right, so tell me how, how did you get into the business of skincare products? And tell me a bit about St. Paulia. I'm pronouncing that right. It's yeah, St. Paulia, yeah. Um, it's actually the scientific name of the African violet flower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how I came up with the name. Um, so, you know, um, my older two kids started to grow up and my oldest was moved, moved out of the house and my son was kind of, you know, close behind her. Um, I was homeschooling the youngest, but she was getting older and she didn't need me to be fully involved. And I realized there, I need to do something. This isn't, I can't just sit here and do nothing. I don't want to be a housewife. I don't want to be, you know, 
just somebody who doesn't do anything. And so I started trying to look for hobbies and my oldest daughter has really sensitive skin. Um, I, 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 I would almost say it's like a, what we'd consider like a redhead, somebody with red hair, their skin. Um, she's not a redhead, but she just has very sensitive skin. So I started hyper-focusing on finding products that might help her. And then I started thinking maybe I could try making my own. So I started with, um, you know, making soap. And the first batch of soap I made was, was awful. It was not worth anything. <laughs> and so I didn't ever use that, but then I started making some body butters, um, and lotions and she commented, I can use your stuff. I can't use the stuff I buy at the store. It, every, all of it breaks me out. And she still says that, like I can use, she loves using my products cause she can use something that smells good, but isn't going to break her out. And so that kind of just ballooned into turning into a business. And um, with HyperFocus, I did tons of research on learning um, all the different formulations. I even um, consulted a uh, cosmetic chemist and started learning from them and started putting all these formulations together and kind of, and then I started thinking about like, well, you know, there's a lot of soap makers out there. There's a lot of lotion makers and who out there could benefit from this product that somebody's not really targeting. And St. Paulia is kind of named after my grandmother and she was somebody that I was really close to um, growing up. And she used to give me African violets for my birthday every year. And um, so African violets are my favorite flower and they were one of hers as well. And so I chose that name and I started thinking about my grandma and thinking about things that she liked to do. And one of the things that she liked to do, and I, I, I kind of jokingly refer to glamping, mm. um, they traveled all over the country, her and my grandfather, um, in their RV. And my grandmother, you know, I told you I'm from Texas. She was a very Southern woman. And so she didn't go anywhere without her hair done or makeup done and all her jewelry on. Um, and then she would complain about not getting to take certain things with her because she couldn't fit them into the RV. And so that's kind of how I came up with the idea for my shampoo bars where they're solid and you don't have to worry about them spilling or finding a place to put them in the RV if you're traveling. Um, and so and I, we're in Colorado, so there's a lot of tourists that are here. And so I started wanting you know, think about products that would benefit them while they're traveling, but, you know, be quality products that are good and, you know, could be used every day, not even just traveling. Um, and so that's kind of how I came up with the idea uh, for the business. I freaking love that. I was interviewing <laughs> another woman who um, makes zero waste. You know, she, she has a zero waste living and Angela um, episode four, and she had the shampoo bars, you know, she was, she was interested in starting to add to the soaps that she's making to, um, she wanted to start making the shampoo bars. And she was telling me the story about like how liquid shampoo kind of came about in the sixties and how it was proliferated by the companies who wanted you to use up more and have their plastic bottles and was looking at it from this environmental point of view. And I was like, I had no idea. I felt so duped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot. Like, I know. I'm like, why don't we use shampoo bars when we're traveling? It's brilliant. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I know a lot of people have shampoo bars that are also soap. Um, so for me that didn't, it was hard on my hair. It, it caused some problems. Um, so I started looking for, you know, other ways that could be solid because I'm like, why can't this be a solid product, but also be pH balanced for your hair. And so that's when I came up with the recipes for my shampoo bars that have that, uh, that pH that's low because soap has kind of a high pH, which is great for your skin and washing it off your skin, but not your hair can sometimes be, it needs a lower pH level. And so that's kind of how I came up with, with the idea. That is so cool. I love it. Are there other, besides the beauty bars, um, are there other products that are different for the RV person or the glamper? Um, so I, I just recently changed the name, but I had been calling them my lotion bars, but I changed them over to body sticks because they're more, um, a lotion bar is usually something that's kind of like in a mold and you kind of put it in like a little container. Um, but these are put in like roll up containers. Um, so they're basically lotion, but they're also solid and they can be carried, you know, around with you and they don't, you don't have to worry about like lotion blowing up in your purse. Like I've had it happen or if it gets hot, it it can expand the bottle and, and cause problems. And so these are solid. So they're a lot easier to travel with, a lot easier to put, you know, keep in the RV. Um, you don't, you can even put them in your backpack and take them out while you're, if you're hiking. Um, there's no liquid to them. So you never have to worry about them leaking. Um, they're just made with, you know, beeswax and different kinds of butters and oils that are really good for your skin. That is so cool. I, and you know, I think also, I don't know if this is an ADHD thing, but I feel like a lot of people with ADHD, myself included, have sensory issues with lotions. Yes, that I have gotten a lot of feedback from people. Um, my husband, um, I don't know if I mentioned this, my husband was also diagnosed um, as an adult with autism. Um, and he's always had trouble putting things on his skin, just the sensory and so when I came up with these body sticks, that's what he uses. That's all he uses now. And he said he can, it doesn't feel greasy and it doesn't feel, um, he said slimy. That was the word he used. <laughs> uh, it's a sensory thing for him. So he definitely, so absolutely. We all in my family have a big issue with lotions and especially when it comes to like suntan lotion, you know, nobody in my family likes suntan lotion because it's so slimy and you know and nobody wants to apply it onto anybody else (laughs) so like those deodorant style push-up sticks are like the greatest thing that ever happened to us so So now are you an rv person are you a glamper um i i strive to be when i go (laughs) right now when you tend to get cabins because i don't have a truck that can pull an rv at them or i'll i guess i could get an rv but i don't have a truck that could pull a trailer which is probably the direction that I would go. Um, but we do like to go out. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm, I consider myself more of a glamper where I do love to be outside. I do love to travel and be outdoors. Um, but tent camping is just a little too primitive for me. Yeah. <laughs> so if I go out, it is in a cabin or, you know, there's resorts that have glamping. Um, and that's kind of what, I lean to, and eventually, hopefully by the summer, we will have, that's our plan is to have an RV um, or a trailer and a truck that can pull it. And then, so yeah, that is our goal. Um, I would love to go all over the country and just, my grandparents got to see so much that you don't get to see when you're just flying. 
I love the idea of it in theory. And I just, oh, yeah. I cannot get my husband on board and neither of us likes driving. So he's like, are you going to do the driving? Oh. And I'm like, no, that's your job. But I like, in theory, I love the idea of, tra- you know, using the RV and traveling all over the country. And I think, you know, we're all, we're very adventurous people and we, we love traveling, but I cannot get him on board. Well, that is one thing my husband and me both agree on. Um, we both love driving. We love road trips. Um, I don't, I'm the kind of person, I don't like flying. I'm not comfortable in an airplane. Um, so I prefer if I'm doing traveling that it's by car or by truck. You were, you were working on your labels recently. So you do all the design stuff too? I, I do everything yeah. at the moment. So um, I did have somebody that was helping me with my Instagram. Um, but that, I kind of took that back um, recently. Uh, so now, so now it's back to me doing everything. So. so yeah, I am working on a redesign of my labels. Um, with ADHD, I have a tendency to get bored with things. You don't say. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm sure you understand that. So, um, and that's one of the reasons why I think I love owning a business is that when I get too comfortable with something, then I start to get bored with it. So I need to change it. And with you having a business, you can do that without, you know, causing too much of a disruption. And even if it is just changing labels or I have a plan for the new year to even do a redesign of my website um, with sticking with the same kind of branding and the same, um, you know, marketing and targeting, um, but just a different look. I think I think we're time. It's time for an upgrade. Um and just some changes. One thing I've been learning interviewing women entrepreneurs is the importance of a, of a malleable name that will pivot with you yeah. <laughs> because we pivot so much in our businesses. And so it's like, you know, you come up with, come up with a name you love that'll, that'll travel with you in all the different uh, iterations of your business. I think that's why I did pick Polya because it is such a special um it has such a special meaning to me that it's not, I can see myself getting tired with a lot of other things and just getting bored of them. But that's so special to me. I don't think that that's going to change. I have several other business name ideas. So there may be more businesses coming in the future, (laughs) which I think is also, you know, pretty normal for someone with ADHD to have more than one business. Um, So (laughs) definitely. Yeah, absolutely. You're thinking, you're constantly thinking of, um, oh, new ideas. ideas and, yes, exactly. Now, you do, you work in wholesale, too. You said that you were wholesaling to some CBD companies. What's that connection? Okay, so that actually started with the pandemic. Um, I When it first started, I was working on getting into um, boutiques and some other areas, uh, other little stores that were around me. Um, but then when the pandemic hit and our governor kind of shut things down, the boutiques all closed, so they weren't buying. Um, and I had just, unfortunately, I had just had a couple of new wholesale clients come on and then everything shut down and they had to stop. Um, and then this lady who I met and she owns Live Right CBD here in Colorado. Um, I had met her at a, a craft show one, uh, probably a couple of years ago. And she hit me up right after it did started and asked me if I could make, um, I used to make, and I do still for wholesale, I make bath truffles, which are kind of like bath bombs. Um, but they bubble up instead of just fizzing. So kind of like bath bars, but they also, it's kind of like a a bubble bar and a bath bomb combined. (laughs) 
So she asked me if I could make those for her with CBD oil. And so I did it and they were huge for her and she sold out very quick. Uh, so then I started to approach other CBD oil stores in the area um, with the same concept. And so now I'm making, I have three different CBD stores at the moment. Um, and I have a couple of uh, subscription boxes that I work with. Um, and so they, I just have a, several different products that I can put CBD oil in. I take their oil that they give me and I put it into the product that I already um have the formulas for. Um, so it keeps their costs down because they're not having to purchase wholesale CBD oil from somebody. They're just giving me theirs. And so they're just getting the regular wholesale prices that a regular retail store would get. So that's been very successful. That's going very well for me. And then hopefully I can do the boutiques again. So, well, this is great. I mean, I feel like your products are are problem solvers, you know, and I, I feel like you can attribute that to ADHD. Absolutely. We're such puzzle solvers. We're such problem solvers. And I, I love how your products all kind of serve that mentality of like, I have this issue and how can I fix it? And, um, you know, they're not only great smelling, but also very practical. Thank you. Yeah. And I have several new things that I'm coming out with because with ADHD, there's always so many ideas um, I am looking, I have a giant list on my desk that is on, I have it magneted to a, a board that I just write down all these ideas. And there's so many, I have like four pieces of paper with them. <laughs> so I'm having to kind of narrow down uh, what's realistic and what's not. Wait, 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 you've got a magnet board? Wait, talk me through this. Cause I'm like, oh, oh this could be very it, helpful. <laughs> it's just a, a whiteboard that, um, you know, magnets can kind of stick to. So it's just a, it's actually a calendar that you can put magnets on, but I don't use it for that. I just, it's got sticky notes all over it and papers magneted to it. So it's just a big whiteboard. Okay. All right. Well, I, I'm always fascinated to learn how other people are trying to manage that idea of like all of, I call them the gnats that fly around our heads, you know? Oh yeah. And I know that People have told me, you know, you can put it into a spreadsheet, but if I put it into a spreadsheet, I don't see it. And so out of sight, out of mind, it's gone. But if it's right there in front of me all the time, when I'm zoning out, I can, I zone into it and look at it and go, oh yeah, right. I'm supposed to be working on that. Yes. And I, are you, I have a really hard time with bullet lists because when I see a list, like a point form list, I don't see anything, you know, like I, I feel like my ideas need to be in a sort of more of a like circular organic <laughs> look to them. If I start to list my to-do list, then everything almost becomes invisible. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, um, I love the idea of list. I love the idea of planners. I have so many planners that are not used. <laughs> um, I have so many notebooks that are lying around that are not, they're either filled up or partially full. And then I, lost them and I can't, I don't know where they are now. <laughs> so I've learned that, yeah, just by putting them in random spots on my desk or on that board, it, it feels more, or, it's not really organized, but it works better for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like, Oh, yeah, there it is. Well, I have talked about this in the past in some of the other interviews, like how much we love automation and how much we love the, the, like, the hobby of, of organization because we are perpetually oh, yeah. unorganized. And so it's like, I just really like trying to tackle this job, even though I know it's probably fruitless. 
I love having an organization plan and I will do it and I'll have it all organized and it's great. And it lasts a couple of days <laughs> and it's right back. But doing the organization is awesome. It's so much fun. Right. Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't stick. <laughs> Maybe one or two things might stick, but most of the time nothing does. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's something to do with that, like finding the most efficient way to get from point A to point B. It's the puzzle part. Yep. <laughs> I, I think that, um, and when I was being diagnosed with ADHD, it was very funny. Uh, they asked, they had my husband fill out this form. And one of the things they asked is, is, your, is she organized? And he said, she tries really hard to be organized. <laughs> and that's very funny because I'm like, that is very true. I try. I like the whole process and I come up with these elaborate organizational ideas, but they don't work out for me. I know. One thing I have realized with this pandemic is how much I rely on having people come over to keep me accountable in terms of clutter and mess. And without having people over, it's just like, I, I, ha I haven't found, like, what is my motivation <laughs> to keep my yeah. floor clean, you know? And it's just like, I've really, really realized how much I rely on um, the, you know, the one thing I hate the most is when people show up unannounced. I, I would have been a oh. terrible housewife in the fifties because it felt like that's all people did in the fifties was I, show up unannounced. That gives me the most anxiety ever is the thought that somebody might show up or somebody does show up unannounced. I can't, I, I, I love having people over and I love socializing, but if I don't know they're coming, I can't enjoy it. Oh, I know. But if I know they're coming, I can't do anything else until they're there. So that's it. Yeah. And that's, that's when I definitely like run around my house, like a mad woman, try to clean everything. If I know somebody's coming and it's the only, it's really the only time I, <laughs> the only thing that gets me to clean. But that was one of the big, like light bulb moments for me when I was taking the attitude magazine self-test for women, it talked about like how, to, you know, how much anxiety you get with, at the thought of somebody coming to your house unannounced and, and, and that, that connection between like chores and cleanliness and ADHD. And that's when I was like, you mean everybody doesn't feel this way? <laughs> that's yes. I thought that, um, because my mother had ADHD and I'm pretty sure my grandmother might have, um, as well. I grew up with people and that's when they cleaned was when someone was coming over. So when I learned that everybody doesn't do that, that was a, that surprised. I thought ever, I really did think everybody did that, and maybe to some extent, but not like we do. Yeah. <laughs> it was like suddenly deep cleaning goes on. It is so. All right, so we've talked about Saint Polia. How can people find your wonderful products, and how can they reach out to you? Well, well they can go to my website. It's um, just SaintPoliaSoaps.com. Um, or there's a wholesale website, which is stpolliallc.com. So depending on which one they're looking at. And you can find me on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and I'm even on Pinterest. And it's just at St. Paulia. I'll have links to all of those in the show notes. I didn't think about the Pinterest, but I will add that too. That's kind of new. So I haven't done a whole lot with it, but I'm working towards learning more about it and getting that really up and going. And the CBD products, do you sell those through your website or, or are those the, your partners sell those? Um, do the partners sell those? So you can find some of my products with Live Right CBD um, or even CBDDY, and that's in Greeley, Colorado. 
Well, that's wonderful. It's, uh, I love talking about kind of how people got into their businesses and that you have such a lovely story with the name and your grandmother and just wanting to honor something that was important to her. I love the thought of your, of your grandmother in an RV putting on her makeup. Oh, she, and she, her hair was always curled. Um, uh-huh. And I don't know how she looked. I mean, I don't know how she did quite that. I'm not sure that I am that coordinated. <laughs> But she did. She always, she looked, it was no different if she was out in the RV than if she was at home and then going out to a nice dinner. Um, she always looked exactly the same. I love it. Such a bike. Very area. Southern. Yeah. <laughs> she was always makeup, earrings, all of it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. It was really lovely to talk to you and to learn more. You about too. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Your, learn about your business and your own ADHD journey, ADHD journey, and I'm excited to try them out. I know both my son and I have incredibly sensitive skin, so I'm going to be trying out some of your soap. So I can't wait. Awesome. There you have it. Thank you for listening, and I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. Also, as you know, we ADHDers crave feedback, and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. Please take a moment to leave me a review over on my website, womenandadhd.com, or on Apple Podcasts, or Audible, or whatever other platform you're using. And if that feels like too much, and I get it, then just take a few seconds to give me a five-star rating. Boom, done. Or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this neurodivergent superpower, and they may be struggling and they don't even know why. Make sure to tag me on Instagram or Twitter. I'm at women and ADHD. If you are a woman who was diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood and you'd like to be interviewed as a guest on this podcast, please reach out to me. My email is womenandadhdpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to know more about me, head over to worthitwithkatie.com. That's where I help other women with ADHD break free from the yo-yo dieting and binge eating cycle for good. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who has recently discovered that she is not lazy or crazy, but she has ADHD. And now she's on the path to understanding that neurodivergence and finally using it to her advantage. Take care till then.